Good morning. Actually, it's afternoon, but uh, still goes, I guess. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, we celebrate Mother's Day, and uh, just a few minutes, I would want to bring my tribute to my mom. She's not here, but I'm sure she will mind if, uh, if she will know I talk that much about her and that. She said, oh, you don't have to say it and that, but I uh, believe she really, we like to know that, you know, all the effort she put in have some results. And uh, when I was two years, uh, my mom uh, became an Adventist. And uh, was the process that she was studying the Bible, actually with some Baptist people. And... Uh, was kind of tired of the, you know, old religion that is on our country. All those rituals will not satisfy her. So she started reading the Bible and tried to find what is truth. And she, uh, she was studying very serious with some Baptists. And uh, it just happened she hired a painter that was an Adventist. And uh, he kind of uh, presented to her the truth that uh, we know the Adventists teach. And uh, because of that, she accepted. Of course, she had a hard time, you know, because the, the friends that were studying the Bible turned, you know, against her. And they said they were so friendly before, but when they saw that I might not join their church, they turned out very bitter against her. And uh, uh, it's good that she's still stuck to the truth. And uh, since then, uh, you know... Uh, was she had a hard time because my father did not accept it at the beginning. Toward the end, but who knows when, my father started accepting the truth in a way. And uh, until I was 14, I was going to church. I had to. I was kind of child. I was, but, you know, I started rebelling when I was 14. That's it. I'm doing. And my mind wisely she didn't force religion on me she let me she just pray and i know many times she tried to stir me toward the church but very gently and uh i know many times she'll say hey you know there is a evangelism there is that and that but now the good part is uh she will bring all the times i mean my mom when she will see a visitor come over a pastor come over and my father almost expected to have somebody visiting, and we enjoy having visitors. So my mom will bring the visitors to our house, and the pastors, and, you know, they will talk with us and challenge. And I think that was the influence that helped me kind of come back to faith. And uh, many people my, that knows me, they say my view about how a woman should adorn herself is because of my mother. And... Uh, it's a good compliment, but I believe it's uh, what I believe the Bible teaches, and it just happened that my mother follows that, and uh, she was a very good, positive example, and she still is, because she's, uh, she's alive and, uh, and well, and uh, she's 77, and uh, I talked with her a little bit yesterday, and uh, I tried to say, here in America, we celebrate Mother's Day, and I just want to said, oh, it's all right, don't, don't, don't flatter me, <laughs> in a way, she said, but uh, 
you have to understand the Romanian culture. You know, in Romania, you don't really tell people, I really enjoy that. In our culture, if you don't criticize somebody, it might mean they did it right. So if there is no criticism, you know it's kind of good. But, but we need a little bit, you know. Preparing to preach about today, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the Lord helped us, helped me a little bit to encourage. And it was just what Brother Bill said, that uh, what I preached about two weeks ago impacted him and helped him too. And uh, he even made a resume of my sermon and... I was a little bit discouraged because uh, this Tuesday, Ron called me. I said, the pastor said he needs somebody just in case to fill in. And he asked me, but I cannot, will you? I said, yeah, I'll do if he's needed. I hope I won't need it. But And then Wednesday, he called me, okay, uh, the pastor won't be here. Can you preach? I said, yeah, I'll do it. But then I have to choose a subject. I didn't have anything in mind and. I started looking, I said, oh, should I preach about that? And I said, oh, I preached so many times, no results, waste of time. <laughs> uh, and I f- kind of felt, oh, I'll just go and have a talk. <laughs> so people will be happy they heard a sermon and that. But the thing is, you know, uh, it's sad when you don't see the results overnight. You preach something and you expect things to happen. But it doesn't really work that way, but... We have to keep in mind, though, you know, there is something that uh, we are not really that much aware. That is, our words are kind of, uh, have no power if God through the Holy Spirit does not apply that. So, uh, and that work is kind of very hard to be aware of because it happens slowly and, you know, it, it takes time. But... It just might be, uh, let's say, a step in the right direction. And so our subject is just to present the truth and talk about it. The Holy Spirit will will do the rest of the work. And uh, I decided to talk about prayer. And uh, the importance of prayer and the science of having a prayer that is very much... uh, to be answered by God, because uh, we know, uh, you know, when you ask the Lord, according to his will, he will answer. So we look a little bit of the prayer and the importance of prayer, and uh, why we don't pray as much as we should, why we are discouraged, and uh, what can we do to have a better prayer life, and uh, not only that, Pray more intelligence so the Lord can answer our prayers and help us to grow in our faith. And uh, Paul in Philippians gives uh, the the faithful one an advice about uh, what they should do in everything. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So here what Paul says, it's, uh, we shouldn't worry that much. Actually, we shouldn't worry at all. <laughs> But we should just uh, 
make our uh, request known to God, and uh, we should also supplication with thanksgiving, because we know the Lord will answer our prayer. It might be not the way we want, but uh, we know that His promises that will be what will be the best for us. And we have to trust in God to choose what will be the best. So in our prayer life, we have to, uh, it's in a way, the most close communion that we have with God. And it's supposed to be secret. (laughs) It's just between us and God many times. I mean, some other, some things might be known, but, you know, it's just what our hearts have in the deepest needs. And that when we talk with God and uh, he will answer us and he will uh, he will give us better things than maybe we want and uh, we just have to learn how to pray intelligent and how to see the answer that God will give you and see maybe what you ask of God is not the best that, uh, and then in the process you become more intelligent and you get closer to God Let's see a little bit about what the prayer should be or should not be. And uh, let's look uh, in Matthew chapter 6. Here is Christ talks about the prayer and uh, what we should do and not do when we pray. Uh, in chapter 6 of Matthew, starting with verse 5. Uh, and when thou prayest, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 onward. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they might be seen of man. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into, the, into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth that things ye have need of before he ask them. Here is lots of teaching about what prayer should be and not be. First is uh, we should not pray vain repetition. That means you just repeat some words that have no meaning to you. Just because some other people say it and you repeat that many times. Thinking that, you know, if you keep on repeating, God will give it to you. And the sad part is, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still one of those things many religion promotes. And uh, even in Christianity now enters so when they have this, you repeat a word or something many times. And you just repeat a word without having any meaning to you and... Uh, it's uh, Christ says, no, don't do that. When we pray with God, here Christ says that, uh, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. 
So it's not necessarily that to inform God, it's just actually you acknowledge and you are aware of something that you need. And actually you ask God to help you in that process. So we shouldn't necessarily inform him about that, but just try to explain to him the situation we go through and ask his help. In a way, you know, just be honest and open. Say, Lord, let's say you have a problem or you don't feel like praying because you don't really see results and you think God is not answering, so you are tempted of giving up. So I would suggest that you just talk with the Lord and tell him what goes, goes to and ask him to help you. Then you just tell him, hey, you know, he already knows what goes on. That's what Christ says. That, uh, he knows what things you have need of before you ask him. And actually, I would like to say he knows better than us what goes on in our hearts and minds, and he will help us. And uh, we should not do those things to show off or prove that we are more religious and go around bragging and, uh, and not uh, to be seen of man. But we should try to keep it as secret as possible and have it just be- between us and the Lord. And do not repeat, bang repetition. Many times we just pray because, hey, I need to pray. And we just repeat words that we don't really know what, or we are not even aware. So basically we should try to learn not just pray for the reason that we feel like we ought to pray, but we should try to be open to the Lord and talk with Him all the times with what's going on in our hearts and minds in that situation. And of course we have to be careful because in our prayers, Sometimes we want to show off that we are religious and we are Christian and so forth. And, uh, and of course, the greatest danger, and that's why many times God might not answer our prayers, is the danger of thinking that because of something good in you, it's God's answering you. That's the most important thing to realize. It is not about us being good or deserving something, but it's because of God's mercy and His goodness. So, but here is a, an illustration of that. We have to admit our spiritual uh, poverty and re- recognize we don't really understand spiritual things and how they affect us and help for the Lord to, uh, to all help us with His Holy Spirit and, uh, and also be aware of the, all the times that, you know... Uh, is nothing in us that. Actually, Christ had illustrated that perfectly when he had the parables of the two persons that went to pray. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's Christ's way of giving a very simple parable that uh, gives us a very deep truth about our approach to God and our uh, acknowledge of our great need of God. And the parable it's, uh, is recorded, recorded in, in Luke chapter 18. And here, uh, in, verse, uh, in the first verses, Christ gave a parable about the need of prayer. And uh, verse 1 of uh, Luke 18. 
and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So these are a few things here. Men ought always to pray and not faint. We shouldn't get tired of going to God. God does, of course, there is that temptation of, you know, Satan comes and says, oh, those are little things. Don't bother God with those little things. We have to make sure we understand what God is and what he says about, and he's not burdened with anything. He's infinite. He can handle it. Even the little things God can handle. And basically, uh, he want to be so close to us that even in the little things, he will tell us what to do and how to sort it out. And not only that, in the process when we talk with God, in, even in the little things, he will help us. All the little steps, even the big steps. But uh, in, uh, in verse 9 of Luke 18, Christ gave another parable. And this is uh, directly to certain persons. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And here is the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioner, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. We see here two persons, and actually that's, I think, uh, the difference between those people that will be saved and those that will be lost. Those people that will be lost are the ones that they trust and they see no need. Actually, even their prayer, if you look, he didn't ask God for anything. He didn't, he didn't feel like a need of something. You know, He went to pray, but he kind of just brought, I'm, uh, I'm good, I don't need what kind of prayer is that to God, you know? When you pray, you ask for something, or, you know, at least you have something. He was just uh, pra- bragging about himself. And, uh, but the other person said, hey, uh, you know, God, show me, mer- God, be merciful to me, you know? And uh, he recognized his need of God's mercy. And he, Jesus said that he was, Justified. God had for sure answered that prayer and showed him that because of Jesus Christ, God can show mercy and actually offer him mercy. So I'll call this, this is the Pharisee complex. When you go to God, don't look at your merits that you are better than others. And um, it's very dangerous because when you start walking with the Lord, you are tempted to look at other people. You see them going party, drinking, and that. 
And you feel, oh, I'm not like that. I'm better. You know, I go to church, but I don't go to games and casino to waste my money. I'm better. But uh, from the beginning to the end, it's God's mercy, and it's not something in us that is good. Only maybe, uh, but that's not even a merit. We respond to God's mercy, but that's offered to everyone, and everyone can, uh, you know, uh, turn back to God and pray like this uh, publican, and uh, God will show him mercy. And uh, so this uh, first principle is this, is to recognize that there is no merit in us. That's why we have to admit that we pray in the name of Jesus. And it's his merit and it's uh, God's goodness that we, uh, we will get an answer to our request. And uh, many times we have to be careful, though, and see when we have our answers, not to kind of think that is because of us, but uh, we have to keep in mind that it's God's goodness that he answers our prayer. And... Uh, I know uh, also we have to be knowledgeable about what we should pray for. And we have to, uh, you know, there is a Bible verse that said that uh, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desire of your heart. So when you know about God, and when you kind of delight in the things God's delight, he will give you. So uh, we have to look at how God sees the world and what's important in his sight. And you know, the way the Bible is written, there is not that much that has to do with the physical material world. Those things, actually, you know, if we are really honest, those things are not very much imp that much important. Of course, you know, you'll get some gratification if you have a big house and that. But, you know, you came empty in the world and you go empty. So you cannot take with you anything. And even when you live, you still cannot sleep in three beds. You cannot drive five cars. <laughs> you cannot use five bathrooms. You use just one. And uh, I'll say the more you have, the more headache you have, you have to keep it up. And it happened to me, I worked to rich people that, you know, it looks like all that they carry is about riches. And they had new houses that were already falling apart. <laughs> I was just felt like uh, calling to them the scripture about, you know, all these things that the rust and the mold eats away <laughs> are passing away. And just be more interested in things that will last everlasting. But uh, so... And actually, this is the, our problem because many times we go to God and ask for those material things that, you know, God had promised. He'll give you what you need. Uh, but the problem is, you know, you're not on the same page about with God of what you need. And, of course, the world thinks that you need all those, you know, new gadgets to be happier and all that stuff and not be happy with what you have. But, you know, just talk with the people that are on the deathbed and tell them, you know, what's, you know, what do you have? You know, like uh, that uh, Apple founder, what was his name, that died? Steve Jobs. He was talking about, you know, 
And people say, hey, you know, how is your perspective in life? You know, all that now I carry is the memories with the people, uh, loved ones, relatives. Nothing about material things. The good things, the gifts, or the appreciation and things that they show. It's those spiritual things that really matter. And we should be more focused with that, you know. And this is the one of the things. In the material things, we are promised bread and water. That should be enough. You will survive with that. And actually, we will live better and healthier if you don't have too much of that. <laughs> if you have too much junk food and all that, that the Americans have, you have all those problems, you know. People that don't have that many choices, they have healthier choices to make. <laughs> when you have just rice, you don't bother about, you know, eating all the, you know, the other stuff. So, we are promised the, our necessities. A roof over our head, clothes, and, and the bread and water. What is more important for us is the spiritual thing, to be more like Christ. That should be our man in praying. And that's what, and also, we can go boldly to God because the promise, Christ wants us to be like him. He's not envious or jealous on us if we become more like him. Actually, he wants us to be. And uh, we have a standard that we are not ever going to reach it because Christ is infinite and perfect. But we have to strive as much and with his help we can. So our focus will be, you know, trying to be more like Christ. And that's one of the problems people do not understand because they think, oh, you know, when you uh, overcome and you become uh, obedient, there is no more advancement. But the truth is, you know, you can become better and more self, uh, you know, sacrificing and all that until uh, you advance more and more. And you will never reach the standard because the standard is infinite. So our focus should be more on the spiritual things. But the problem is we don't do that. We are more interested in those material things that we cannot really claim any promise. Hey, you know, I really need this fast car because I have to drive faster to work because the time and so forth. No, we fool ourselves, you know. But... When you ask for the spiritual thing, the promise is there, and God wants us to give it to us. So if you have a bad temper, there's not a problem if you, God wants you to overcome that and be, you know, uh, be temperate and not lose your temper. It's not a problem with God. God will help you, and he will show you how to, and he will help you to get it, because that's what God's will is. And uh, so... We have to be focused more on the spiritual things, to be more like Christ. And the next thing is, uh, we have to see how, what God says in that matter. And that's why it's very important to, when you ask for something, to maybe uh, sit down and see maybe why you didn't get it. And then when you analyze, you kind of find... Uh, you will uh, realize that maybe it was you didn't ask God for the best thing. And that was not really for good. So we have to, I mean, when it's coming to material things, it's not good. We, with the spiritual thing, we know what we ask for will be given to us by, uh, by Christ. 
because Christ wants us and we know his will is that we should be sanctified and become more like him. And uh, many times we uh, we approach God more on this material spirit uh, kind of only this life things and we are not that much concerned about eternity and uh, following Christ and forsaking sin and overcoming sin. And that's what many problems we have. And most of the, of the times in life, it's when you kind of see that this life is going away, that uh, maybe you turn to God and start looking for Him. And uh, the sad part is many times we are just looking for the material, I mean, just for the temporary. We want the healing. And then we promise God everything, you know. And if God works a miracle and heals us, we forget all about when we get well and uh, we just get the material, I mean, temporary healing and not the spiritual one about being in, you know, converted and following God and enjoying life everlasting when Christ comes back. So I'll deal a little bit with this. Why many times, you know, in life when we get sick, we run to God and we expect a miracle and sometimes God chooses not to work. A miracle. And let's see what are the problems. Why? Because, you know, when Christ was here on the earth, he, he kind of helped everyone. And sometimes Satan tells you that God had changed and, you know, he doesn't want that. But we know that our church was giving lots of light about that situation. When somebody is sick, you know, and why or what are the steps we have to take for God to kind of help us and get back on our health. You know, when, uh, when we were in the beginning, the pioneer, the church was organized, they were talking, hey, why, why should we have sanatoriums, they were saying. We should just pray for healing and voila, a miracle, and we don't bother about establishing a sanatorium. I'll, I'll try to see what, how Ellen White illustrated that. Let's suppose you eat... Uh, you know, uh, camel every day. <laughs> and the result of eating that bad things, it makes you sick. If you go to God and you ask God, oh, help me with my sickness. Uh, God in his mercy will heal you. Do you think you'll go and stop eating that camel? Oh, you'll go back and eat. But if you eat camel and that makes you sick, God will work and try to show you, hey, this, it makes you sick. Stop doing that. I believe that that's what God chose to work with us, and that's why we were giving lots of advice and lots of light regarding that. The problem is nowadays, you know, when we get sick, and even we go to the doctor, they don't really help us to find what caused the sickness, and work with us to eliminate that. And we just expect a miracle. And sometimes, if you have light, God cannot. Because he cannot uh, bless disobedience. You know, God's hands are tied up. When God advises you, hey, when you get sick, try to see what causes and eliminate. And actually, um, this is one very tough and very hard subject. Because, you know... Many people, because the, it seemed like God did not answer their prayer for healing, 
then they stumble and they turn back or who knows what happened to them and uh, because they um, they they have a, a wrong understanding about God and they don't choose to uh, to study how he's revealed in the Bible but here let's let's look I mean one of the things that the Bible is it's about laying off hands and annoying somebody and many take it to be like a a, a very important uh, way of you know showing faith and asking God for a favor but here is first Peter chapter 5 uh, verses uh, 13 and onward I mean no I'm sorry it's James chapter 5 James chapter 5 is any among you afflicted uh, so James chapter 5 verses th- 3 uh, verses 13 onward is any among you afflicted let him pray is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be cor- uh, forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So this is one of the subjects that, uh, I mean, one of the passages where it talks about what we should do. When I go to heaven, I'll try to talk with James and see what he was referring here. If he talks about the spiritual healing or the physical. Because there are some here. Of course, the first thing is confession. We have to admit. And uh, in a way, you know, when you are sick, you have to look back and see if there is something between you and God. It might be that, you know, the sickness will be to death. And we have to be prepared for that. And the most important thing is to make sure that spiritual relation between you and God and kind of confess everything and, you know, trust in Christ and in his merits. But here is, uh, in verse 15, it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. This is a term that might refer to when Christ comes and raises the dead. So it might not be necessarily that he will, and the, he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And, uh, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that he might be healed. And here he talks those confession of faults and that about healing is not in a physical matter but relationship. If you confess your faults, if you offended a brother, that's what uh, uh, James talks about here. But in closing, I would just like to read a few thoughts about this healing and uh, you know, uh, in the book, The Ministry of Healing, Ellen G. White has a, a chapter that deals with the, the, the prayer for the sick and the need of confession of sin. And uh, here is what um, Ellen G. White says uh, in the 
in the chapter Prayer for the Sick, uh, I mean in this booklet is page 90, 91. And here is what uh, the spirit of prophecy tells us. Many persons bring diseases upon themselves by their self-indulgence. They have not lived in accordance with the natural law or the principles of strict purity. Others have disregarded the laws of health in their habits of eating and drinking, dressing or working. Often some form of vice is the cause of feebleness of mind or body. Should this person gain the blessing of health, many of them will continue to pursue the same course of heedless transgression of God's natural and spiritual laws, reasoning that if God heals them in answer to prayer, they are at liberty to continue their unhealthful practices and to indulge perverted appetite without restraint. If God were to work a miracle in restoring this person to health, he will be encouraging sin. And here is very important. It is uh, labor lost to teach people to look to God as a healer of their infirmities unless they are taught also to lay aside unhelpful practices. In order to receive his blessing, in answer to prayer, they must cease to do evil and learn to do well. They must live in harmony with the law of God, both natural and spiritual. In a way, uh, we have to uh, be wise, and now we have great light about what brings disease, and was the cause that, and you know, if we cooperate with God, He will help us to uh, eliminate those, and He can then restore us and uh, help us to be in good health. I'd just like to, uh, I had the Geneva Bible here. I'd just like to, you know, in the back they have some prayers, but these are just simple prayers. But here is uh, how the people living in 1500 that were persecuted, how they were praying and how their prayer life was. And I'll just read you. Uh, they have different kind of prayers. You, just to have, you know, you have to look at those people They were coming from dark ages. They didn't have that much knowledge as we have about. But if you read uh, their prayer life and what they were praying for, Oh, we are far away, and our prayer seems like, you know, uh, a baby talk regarding to this. Uh, and here is a, I, I read something, a prayer for the whole estate of Christ's church. And talking about that, I think our church needs lots of prayers. And maybe we should uh, try to pray for God that he will, um, I mean, uh, he will work to uh, purify the church, and uh, in his own time, the church will be what it's supposed to be. Um, here is uh, just a little bit what they were praying for. Furthermore, for as much as by the holy apostles, we'll be taught to make our prayers and supplication for all men. We pray not only for ourselves here pre- uh, present, 
but beseech thee also to reduce all such as be yet ignorant from the miserable captivity of blindness and error to the pure understanding and knowledge of the truth, that we will, with one accord and unity of mind, may worship thee, our only God and Savior, and that all pastors, shepherds, and ministers to whom thou hast committed the dispensation of thy holy word and charge of thy chosen people may both in their life and doctrine be found faithful, setting only before their eyes thy glory, and that by them all poor sheep which wander and go astray may be gathered and brought home to thy fold. And moreover, because the hearts of rulers are in thy hands, we beseech thee to direct and govern the hearts of all kings, princes, and magistrates to whom thou hast committed this word. Especially according to our bounded duty, we beseech thee to maintain and increase the estate of the king's majesty, with all spiritual pastors and ministers and all the whole body of this commonwealth, lay thy fatherly favor, so preserve them, and thy Holy Spirit, so govern their hearts, that they might in such sort execute their office, that thy religion may be purely maintained, manners reformed, and sin punished according to the, pres- uh, the precise rule of thy holy word. And for that we, we be all members of the mystical body of Jesus Christ. We make our request unto thee for all such are afflicted with any kind of cross or tribulation. So in a way they're saying that, you know, all those people in leadership, they'll punish sin. But I think our leaders need a very... Lots of prayer because they don't, they glorify sin and they excuses. And not only that, they repress people that speak against. So we have lots of prayer to do for, for our leaders. <laughs> but in a way, we have to pray intelligent that those leaders will promote good laws and will punish sin and not endorse it. This is just one example. And of course, for the church, that the church will speak the truth and only the truth. May the Lord help us to, uh, to learn how to, the science of prayer. So we will have and pray things that God can answer, and we will have answers. I mean, many times I heard people say, that I will be surprised if God answered my prayer. I say, this is a problem if you will be surprised if your prayer will be answered. The thing is, uh, this is a means of communication, the more important and uh, Many times we are discouraged, but uh, we have to learn it, and we have to practice it, and we will uh, have uh, a spiritual walk with the Lord that will be a true witness to all the world. My prayer for you is that uh, you will pray, and you will learn the science of prayer, and uh, you will ask God for God for things more and more according to his will. Amen.